Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. James joined me to discuss his amazing story of how a sim racer became a real-life GT3 driver. We discussed his junior karting career and why he had to stop. We then talked about his journey into sim racing and how it ended up with James being named as the world's fastest gamer. We then spoke about his real-life racing experience this season in the British GT Championship, the transferable skills between sim racing and real-life racing, and we also discussed the rise of esports in a whole and the positive impact it could have on the motorsports industry. James won the ultra-competitive World's Fastest Gamer competition in 2019, which led him to become a GT3 driver for Jensen Button's British GT Championship team, driving a McLaren 720S. In his first race, James got pole position, only for his lap to be invalidated for track limits. But in the race, James helped the team to a race win, an incredible achievement for someone in their real-life racing debut. I really enjoyed recording this episode. I hope you enjoy it too. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by James Baldwin, who is the GT3 driver for Jensen Team Rocket uh, in the British GT Championship and formerly World's Fastest Gamer 2019. Uh, James, delighted to have you on. How are you doing? Yes. Hello, Nathan. Good to be on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, it's been a busy period for me, but yeah, it's good to have some time out to chat to you. I just wanted to touch on that, really, because... I mean, the last few years, I was reading about your story before before we set up the podcast. And I mean, what have the last few years been like for you? Oh, it's been uh, it's been a madness. I mean, if it, it feels like uh, longer than two or three years because there's been so much stuff that's happened. Um, but I mean, yeah, it all started from a very kind of fortunate situation you know where I, I bought a rig and then it all kind of the timing of all, the whole industry booming um fell it coincided with it uh this year has been particularly crazy it, you know away from the sim racing it's been a weird year anyway for everyone um but it's helped sim racing in, in a very positive way so uh all of us at the top of that kind of sim racing category of rode that wave and we're continue we're continuing to ride it now so uh it's been a great year First of all, I just wanted to go back to like your younger days. I mean, were you always interested in in racing? Because I know you're involved in karting and Formula Ford, weren't you, back in the day? Yeah, so I started karting at the age of eight. Um, my dad was very um, nice enough to take me along just to an indoor kart track. Got the bug. We had a little bit of money there to do karting at, I wouldn't say world championship level, but it was more national level. And I carted from the age of eight till 16, really. I wasn't gaming or anything like that. So that's where I was kind of learning my trade. Um, and I won a few karting championships on the way. But then as uh, it's kind of a common theme, the common story in motorsport, I ran out of money when I was 16, or we did as a family, so we couldn't kind of pursue that. Was that a case of just were you doing it and just waiting for maybe an opportunity to come along, maybe a team to sign you and to give you that, that extra cash boost to continue on that journey and it just kind of never came? 
To be honest, there wasn't really an agenda. We were so naive. We had no idea what we were doing. I mean, obviously, I could drive, but in terms of the politics and the business behind it, we had no idea how to, I suppose, make it, so to speak. We attempted to go into Formula Ford 1600. We did a couple of races, broke the bank. I think that's when it got really bad because we kind of underestimated how much it'd be, especially when you pick up stuff like damage and stuff like that. So, yeah, we didn't really know what we were doing as as a family, I mean. Um, And so... I think if I had that journey again, we would have probably got further because we would have known what championships to do, how to market yourself better, all that kind of stuff. But it didn't turn out too badly, did it, kind of over the next few years for you? But how was it between you leaving Formula Ford and that kind of whole space when you started sim racing like properly? Uh, so the I stopped Formula Ford in 2015, and then well, I started and stopped in 2015. Yeah, I sim I started sim racing in 2017, so I had a, a little gap there of doing nothing or just working. But yeah, I, I stumbled across a rigging PC world. Uh, with, well, I was with in there with my girlfriend one day, and I'd seen them before, but I'd never really seen one for sale. So it was on a special. I think it was like 250 quid, um, a GT Omega one. So I bought that just to kind of have some fun, really, to fill the void of not racing anymore. Picked up a copy of Project Cars 1, I think it was, and just started from there, really. There was no agenda. Again, it was just doing it for a bit of fun. I didn't even know this could turn out to be a thing. I'd never in a million years think I'd end up being a racing driver from that particular moment. But, you know, it's so weird when you look back. If I did not decide to buy that rig, and it was kind of 50-50, my girlfriend was like, that's a lot of money, you know, you probably shouldn't buy that none of this would have happened. So it's pretty mental, really. Was it on sale as well, did you say? Yeah, it was on sale. Oh. I think it was like 300 down to 250 or something. So maybe it was but... 300. You would never have bought the rig? It's it's weird, isn't it, how the yeah. stars align like that? Very weird. <laughs> how quickly was it that you realised, hang on, I'm actually pretty good at, at the sim racing as well as the real life stuff? And how was it when you started winning tournaments and kind of prize money doing the sim racing thing? Oh, I mean, I got the rig start of 2017, I think. But... I wasn't near the front of anything. Well, first of all, I didn't even compete in anything or any leagues. I didn't know they existed. I was competing on, you know, the career modes and stuff for a couple of months, I think. But um, it took me a good half year to nine months to kind of get up to a pace that would allow me to compete at the front of leagues. And that was on the Project Cars game strictly. I didn't really do anything else. And then in 2018, at the start of the year, there was a rallycross tournament on Project Cars 2. And uh, I came second and won 4,000 euros. And that was like the big turning point, to be honest. How did that feel, like winning prize money from the virtual race? Did it did it feel surreal at that time? Yeah, like I was working in an engineering firm at the time doing machining. And uh, I'd, I'd go to work at 7.30 in the morning. I'd have an hour lunch break. And in that lunch break, I'd be on my phone trying to figure out the rules behind the tournament and how it all worked. Because I mean, at the time, it was completely new to me. I had no idea how it all worked. And I think it was an eight-week tournament. So there was one race every Saturday. And the top six qualified for, or no, the top 12 qualified for an offline final in uh, Austria. All pay, all expenses paid for, all that kind of stuff. So um, I was using my lunch breaks to figure out how I'd finish near the front. And then I'd come home in the evening about six and then practice till about 11 and then do it all over again. So it was a really like grafty time for me. I, I don't remember sleeping too much, but I mean, I look back and I think, wow, it was worth it. And what was your family's reaction when you said, oh, I'm going to Austria, all expenses paid, I'm, I'm going to compete doing sim racing for, for money? Like what was what was their reaction at that time? Uh, 
I can't remember, to be honest. I, I think I, I'm guessing they're pretty like, what the hell are you on about type thing. But um, <laughs> and I don't think they fully believed it until that money went in the account. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool there. And from then on, it kind of spiraled, didn't you? Because you were, you were doing all sorts of stuff and you're, you're kind of the momentum and your profile started to kind of snowball a bit. I mean, you were involved in the E-Race of Champions, the Mexico edition, where you beat a NASCAR racer, didn't you, in that, um, which is just crazy. Yeah, so throughout the rest of 2018, I... Did like a few other tournaments of that similar size, so like the Renault Esports Series, which is quite small, but on Project Cars too. Uh, Veloce Esports were just created around 2018, so they got interested in myself being UK based. I think it was quite a good synergy to join them, and they were the first kind of team to take it to that next level of professionalism, I'd say, in the racing esports sector. And then, yeah, the Race of Champions gave me an invite to the Invitational, uh, up against probably the best sim races in the world at the time. So a part of me thought, well, here we go. I'm going to get my rear end spanked. And uh, yeah, I managed to win it somehow. I was very surprised at my pace on the evening. And then I managed to just hold it together and win, get an invite to Race of Champions in reality and flew over to Mexico. And it, yeah, it just escalated day from one day to the next, really. It was, And then when it all was over, the following week after Race of Champions, I was like, bloody hell, how did that all happen? And that's that's pretty mental. <laughs> and then we've got to talk about world's fastest gamer. I mean, that is that is just such an amazing competition, an amazing story from yourself. You were, I mean, just tell me about that competition and how it came about and how you got invited to it in the first place. So I got invited. I think eight got invited and two got uh, they qualified. So I got invited from winning, a, you know, the race of champions or the e race of champions tournament, all those kind of tournaments. I think Le Mans Esports Series was also on that invitation as well um and uh, i mean that was probably the most mental experience i've had in my life let alone in sim racing being flown out to america traveling california doing driving real cars supercars race cars driving on simulators on top of buildings in los angeles i mean yeah it's uh there's enough pictures and videos to show you how good it was but in reality it was a different different ball game altogether I mean, I was looking at like some of the pictures from that whole event before this, and I don't think I can see one where you're not smiling. The, the <laughs> smile is just like coming off your face almost in every picture. So I can only imagine well, what that experience must have been like. But I mean, it gets even better, doesn't it? Because you were crowned the world's fastest gamer at the end of that competition and you were uh, handed the trophy by Juan Pablo Montoya, was it, as well? I mean, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, that's, again, a very weird, crazy thing to happen because, I mean, I've got a picture of him on my wall right next to me. I've had it on my wall for, well, since I can remember, to be honest. And he was the guy that got me into Formula One when I was watching it as a kid because he was the only guy that could really overtake Michael Schumacher at the time. Um, and uh, what is it, 19 years later or 18 years later, he's given me a trophy as the world's fastest gamer. I mean, yeah crazy and the thing is when you're at an america competing in that tournament you obviously have to enjoy it and it's very easy to enjoy it but you've got to stay focused at the same time because the reason you've been flown over the atlantic is to win um and i suppose it's kind of hard to to remember that sometimes in the heat of the moment when you're in vegas or all these you know beautiful places um you have to really focus and make sure you win it and i did and I know this might sound like a stupid question, but how much was it in your mind about, hang on, if I win this, I'm going to win a GT3 drive? Like, how, how much was that in your mind in every event? Or were you just concentrating on the job? 
Well, they made it very obvious. They kept on reminding us, you know, the winner will get this, the winner <laughs> yeah. will get that. And I think on the um, the final day, the final, we were on the way to the track and I looked on Twitter and we all did, me, Seb, Max and Mitchell. And uh, we saw there was a tweet uh, of the, it said, the winner of World's Fastest Gamer gets a £2,000 um, Apple package so you want like a, an ipad an iphone uh, an apple mac and all that kind of stuff and we were like it, it just i don't know everyone got really buzzed from that <laughs> obviously there's a million dollar drive on the line but <laughs> those apple products were yeah. equally as um special so uh yeah it you're right you had to keep your your mind on the job at hand um but naturally there's going to be a lot of pressure because there is a million dollar drive on the line you're not going to forget that how long did it then take to sink in once you'd won that? And I think they, they'd call it the million dollar prize, don't they? I mean, you don't get a million dollars into your bank account, but it's like, it's it's almost like the obviously the GT3 drive is like worth that amount of money. How long did it take to sink in that you would be competing in a GT3, British GT3 championship? Probably not until I turned up at the first test at Paul Ricard, to be honest, because... Um... Yeah, I'd obviously registered I'd won it, but when I turned up and I saw the car and you you got all the other cars like the Ferraris and the Lambos around it and you're at a proper test, proper racing drivers walking around, big trucks, big money, big everything. Uh, my initial reaction was to start to feel a bit sick um, from nerves because it really <laughs> did start to sink in. Um, and then COVID hit, which, you know, is unfortunate. And great for sim racing, you know, indirectly. But um, we ended up doing British GT off the back of it instead of doing the European series. So it's, uh, yeah, again, no one would have predicted that, but that's gone really well since we started. And at what point did you realise that you would be driving for Jensen Button's team? I think that was early in the year. That was before COVID hit. So before the first test in Paul Ricard ahead of Europe, yeah, I think that was announced we were going to be driving for Jensen Button's team, which, again, it's cherry on the cake, isn't it? And to, to see Jensen being involved recently in so many things, sim racing, you know, he's had his own event, his own race on ACC. Uh, he did the SRO Esports Series. Like, he's fully involved with it. He loves it. And it's it's great to be, you know, representing him in the real world as a, as a gamer. Did you speak to him? Have you spoke to him since you joined the team or? Yeah, yeah. We I've spoke to him via social media. You know, he's been all over that. But we've had various debriefs over Zoom uh, with me, the, uh, Michael O'Brien, the rest of the team, just to from a performance point of view, right? Basically, obviously, to meet him and you know build that relationship. But it's good having you know his advice. He was obviously a pretty handy driver back in the day, wasn't he? So um, <laughs> he's yeah. he's taught us a thing or two over Zoom, and it's just you know he's running the team. He wants to know how it's going. So yeah, obviously now I can actually say it's announced. He is competing in the final round of British GT. Uh, so I am going to meet him. I think next week I'm potentially meeting him. Uh, ahead of the race so that final round is going to be insane it's going to be absolutely insane so you've won the tournament the world's fastest gamer you've done the test covid hits and it's all a bit up in the air but then let's fast forward to alton park first race how are you feeling before the qualifying before the practice like how how are you feeling jumping in in the car which is we is it a mclaren 720s yes yeah. that's it well remembered <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling at this point yeah it completely i wouldn't say to be honest with you i wouldn't say i go to sleep at night like i can barely sleep like i'm jumping with excitement because 
I think you have to take things in your stride if you're going to get get anywhere with it, because otherwise you'll always be panicking in the moment. You won't ever you'll you'll always have imposter syndrome as well. You won't fully believe that you deserve to be there. And I think what I've learned over this year is if you need to make it in the world of real world motorsport, you need belief. So I've worked hard to try and fully believe I deserve to be there. And naturally, I think sometimes it can come across maybe I'm not as excited as I am inside, but for performance purposes, I try to keep very calm and I think it's worked. I want to ask as well, when you when you're at the event, was there any kind of feeling from maybe yourself or the other teams that you kind of got a gist of, whereas you, you had kind of won a competition to be involved in it? Was there a bit of like, oh, he's only a sim racer type thing or were you just completely focused on the job? Oh, I was I was aware of it. Yeah, there was there was stuff like that going on. I'm not even joking you. I remember someone I won't name names, but uh, came up to me before the start of the first race and said to me they were driving a GT4 and uh, they said, right, you know, it's your first race. Just I didn't even know them either, by the way. And they said, just make sure you watch out for us when you you, you know you're coming past us or lapping us or whatever. Just make sure you give extra room and whatever. I mean, wow, it's a very you know. It's, it's a fair point, but at the same time, it's quite condescending and no one else gets briefed like that from other drivers. You know, I, I thought because I qualified quite well on the Saturday, I wouldn't be getting any of that. But there have there has been multiple occasions where that's been the case. And I suppose you've got to think of it from their point of view, you know, the other drivers that maybe it is a bit weird to them that there's a sim racer or a gamer competing on the grid. But there, it has happened before in the form of Jan Mardenborough, Lucas Ordonez, all the GT Academy winners. You know, it's not the first time it's happened. Fair enough, it's the first time it's happened in probably a long time. But hopefully now I've earned respect so I don't, you know, get that kind of reception. I mean, does it make it all the more sweeter? I mean, just talking about that first race, if people don't know, you got pole position in your very first race, which was cruelly, cruelly taken away from you for track limits. Uh, how tight was it, that, that call? The thing is, I knew, because it was on the exit of turn one, I knew uh, at Oldham Park that at that moment, it would be invalidated. I had a very good feeling about that because I saw um, the right-hand side of the car creep over the white line. And I was like, oh no. But I thought I'd carry on with the rest of the lap anyway. Finished the lap, was a good enough, it was good enough for pole. And then I saw the photo of basically there's a sensor on the exit of the corner. And if you hit the sensor, you get your lap invalidated. And it was literally, I'm talking like five or 10% of the tire clip the sensor and you know i wouldn't have gained any lap time from it it was ridiculous but the rules are rules and fair play they put me in fourth position and that's it but yeah it it was a bit of a shame it would have been a nice impact you know to poll it on the debut and i think it would have made the the sunday a bit easier as well um but fortunately we won anyway so it didn't really matter yeah i mean that is just i mean the first race you're involved in you nearly get pole position you win the race as well that has just got to silence any of the people that were talking before the race. I mean, that must have felt pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it'd probably be wrong for me to say, oh, I won the race. We won the race. So I held, held position in fourth. My It was my first race at that level. So the key thing was just to hold position, don't get him caught up in any incidents. Um, and Michael O'Brien, my teammate, is a little bit more experienced. I think he's a really great talent. Competing against him this year, it's been tough to beat him or to be quicker than him uh, we're operating basically at the same pace at the moment um and he's improved as much as i have in many ways it's his first year in gt3 uh and he equally won that race as much as i did so yeah it's been great working with michael this year i didn't know him prior to uh this year but 
hopefully we can race going forwards because he's he's a really good driver. Do you ever just look back at where you've come from in terms of that that PC world <laughs> sale and then getting that rig and then fast forward and you're you're winning a GT3 British GT3 championship race uh, with the team. Do you ever look back and think how far that that's come? Yeah, yeah, all the time, I suppose. You know, when I'm in the shower or whatever, when you don't really have any anything else to think about, yeah, it does probably come up. But at the same time, I, I heard it earlier in the year and it really resonated with me. Um, someone said, if you keep standing there looking back and reminiscing, you're not going forwards. And I, I really, I like that motto and I'm trying to implement it into my life. So of course, occasionally I have a little think and look back and think, wow, but if I keep doing that, I'm going to stop going forwards. So until one day, you know, where maybe I'm too old to compete or whatever happens, you know, it's a very, it's a really weird career path um, being in esports and in the real world at, at the same time. Um, I, I might look back a bit more, but at the moment I'm fully focused on looking forwards. And how about the rest of the season? How has that gone for you and the team? Really good, really good. There's been some ups and downs, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's our first year and I think that has shown at points, so especially in the wet. Uh, and equally, it's my first year in the wet or my first proper year in racing in cars. Um, and the the wet exposes that a bit more, don't get me wrong. And I was driving it slightly wrong at the start of the year. Um, but at the same time, the team haven't run the car before. It's a brand new car. So when you have drivers that haven't been driving in the wet, a car that's not performed in the wet either. The results have been pretty shoddy, not going to lie, but I think we did the best we could at the time. Um, and that's probably put us on the back foot in terms of going to win the championship. But in the dry, I mean, we've been flying. I mean, Brands Hatch, we got pole, should have won. Donington, we got pole, should have won. There was some unlucky uh, situations that stopped us winning. And, you know, Silverstone, the finale, if it's dry we look to go there and pole it and win it. If it's wet, the same ambitions, but it's going to be a bit more tricky. But yeah, the improvement rate's been great. Coming back to sim racing, what do you think are the main differences and transferable skills between sim racing and real-life racing? I think the, the biggest similarity is the mentality. I know it's not really a physical thing, but the way you prepare your mind before a quali lap, a race, during a race, during a lap, whatever, it, that's pretty much the same. I think the the motor skills needed are exactly the same because, you know, in sim racing, you use very realistic wheels and pedals now. And obviously, in reality, you do the same. I think the, the biggest difference is obviously the physicality. I remember at Paul Ricard in the first test, I could only hit about 70 kilos of or 70 bar of pressure on the brake. And my teammate at the test, Matt Parry, was hitting 120, 130. So I couldn't stop the car as efficiently as he could. Uh, so over lockdown, I had a lot of time to work on my fitness and build up some muscle and whatever. But it's still, even you know, the last time I got in the car, it's very, very physical. Sim racing doesn't really compare to that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying how it is. But there are loads of similarities, more similarities and differences, I think. And... Uh, yes, I had a karting background and yes, I did Formula Ford, but I did very limited Formula Ford 
and karting is a lot different to driving a McLaren. And that was also a very long time ago. So um, I'd like to think I put a lot of the success we've had this year and the pace I've been on or whatever down to sim racing. I learned so much since 2017 because you can just put so many laps in and learn and learn from mistakes. And if you hit the wall, it doesn't matter. And there's so many different cars to drive on so many different platforms. So yeah, sim racing is um, it's more similar than people think, I think. Yeah, because you hear, don't you, the the kind of similar thing from people who are, don't really get esports. The whole thing of oh, they're they're probably just like uh, unhealthy teenagers, like sitting in their bedroom playing, not getting not getting all the nutrients they need. Like they're just <laughs> you know spending all night playing and not really doing much with their life. I mean, I heard Joe Rogan recently say about how it's like a waste of time gaming and stuff. And I mean, you oh, just really? kind of yeah yeah in, in, on his podcast he said like. He said, all those years you spend gaming as a child are kind of useless. And I think Ninja responded um, as well. But but my view on that is that, I mean, you, for you, it's turned out amazingly well. And you, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of set the bar in terms of sim racing and where they need to go. But in terms of gaming, I mean, the very worst that's going to happen if you spend a few years gaming in your youth is you're going to have fun. You're going to make friends. Um, you've got you've got a passion, something to do. That's the very that's the very worst that's going to happen. It's not a waste of time. And if it no, doesn't no. lead to anything, then it doesn't. But that's like saying um, all that football you played as a child. Why did you bother playing it? Because you're not a footballer. It's yeah, the, it's the, it's exactly the same argument. Why would you play football if you don't want to be a footballer? Well because I enjoy it, because I like playing it with my friends, because it, I like the game. No, I, I completely agree, Nathan. I mean, I think gaming, granted, it's not the healthiest thing for you to do 24 7 from a physical standpoint so you know obviously go to the gym still and all that kind of stuff but Landon Norris said it in a piece recently he said the mentality and the way you prepare your mind between gaming and him driving in Formula One even him playing a game of COD I mean it's exactly the same so I think it's the main people the main reason people game is for fun so as you say there's no harm in doing that as long as you you know from a health and exercise point of view, if you're still doing that and gaming, there's no problem. Um, I think in racing or in esports, obviously my journey is primarily going into the real world and that's fine. And that's great. No, it's not everyone's cup of tea though. Uh, I've actually spoke to sim racers who say they have no interest in going into the real world. Hence why they've not been interested by world's fastest gamer or, you know, back in the day, GT Academy or those kind of competitions. Um, and they're more interested in the hardcore gaming esports sector, you know, F1 esports, Gran Turismo Sport, a set of courses, SRO esports series. That's where they want to go. Um, and that's great. I mean, I like to do both. I think doing F1 esports, for example, keeps me very, 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 very sharp. So when I go into the real world from a mental standpoint, it, it's not as intense because in F1 esports, you're fighting over hundredths or even thousandths over a quality lap. Whereas in British GT, I can make a mistake here and there and we've still been able to get pole. So I didn't realize Joe Rogan said that, but I mean, that's pretty, um, yeah, I don't really agree with it. Fair to say, I don't either. We're on the same page with that. Um, yeah. But one of the things I've learned with this podcast is that talking to whether it's uh, FIFA esports players, uh, Rocket League esports players, whether it's Call of Duty players, the thing that they all have in common is the mentality the the ability to perform under pressure how to prepare for tournaments um in front of people that kind of pressure on you there they all have the same mentality and like you've said there that's something that all esports have in common and it's something that esports has in common with real sport as well and i think 
you've got to put esports alongside sport as as a sport now because there's so much similarity in terms of mentality the mentality is what separates the the brilliant from the world class and i think that's a great point you made with the the whole mentality thing and preparing for a race i think that fits in with it perfectly I think the mental game is is prominent in every walk of life, really. I mean, yes, driving a race car is physical, but um, like a Paul Ricard, for example, the test, I wasn't physically ready for it, um, but mentally I was, and the lap times were pretty good. So, you know, if you're physically lacking in racing, I think you know, in esports especially, it's all about the mental game. Um, so, you know, when I go to the gym, when I go for a run in the middle of a day of, you know, practicing for F1 esports, it's not really for my fitness. It's more to keep my mind sane. So, yeah, I, I do think doing the, the esports side of it complements the, the real world very well. And the reason why I love sim racing so much is that it's unique in, term, in an esport in terms of if you look at FIFA, for example, you're not actually playing football. If you look at Rocket League, you're not actually driving the car around the track. If you look at Call of Duty, you're not actually running around and shooting people. But with sim racing, you're you're doing exactly the same movements with your feet and your hands as you would be in a real life car, which makes it so much for me in terms of an esport to watch. You, you can really you really know that these guys are really good. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, you yeah, know yeah. these guys are really good and they have the skills um, to do it, which for me just makes it makes it all the more special to watch because you know exactly what they're doing. And when someone wins or makes a great pass or puts in a great qualifying lap, you think, yeah, they know, they know exactly what they're doing. It just, it just puts it at a different level for me in terms of esports. Yeah, it's definitely the, the closest in terms of parity compared to um, the real-life equivalent um that might change over the years maybe fifa will have a restructure i don't know and try and make it more you know like being a footballer but i think it's the unique selling point of sim racing it's so close to real life and i think it's being built on nicely you know competitions like world's fastest gamer are really utilizing that and making the most of it um covid the lockdown period has been great for sim racing has given it a real boost Hopefully that kind of trajectory carries on um, and there'll be more of, I suppose, uh, examples either going into the real world. I suppose, you know, that's been partly, especially at the start of the year, that was kind of a pressure as well was carrying the baton so there could be more of what I'm doing type thing. Um, if I went into British GT, for example, and did a horrendous drop, you know, crashed every time I went out, was miles off Michael O'Brien in terms of pace, um, it doesn't look very good on sim racing uh, and it could potentially stop someone else going in the future. So the fact we've had such a good year is uh, it's only good for the industry. Yeah, and obviously with the with the pandemic as well this year, it's been a mental time for everyone and there's been so much going on. But one of the the, the few positives to come out of this is the kind of sim racing that was happening earlier the year with the f1 virtual grand prix and some of the mm. veloce esports events that were going on and like my, my personal favorite was the brazil race and watching ferrari f1 driver charles leclerc and red bull racing driver alex albon battle it out for the number one spot i remember sitting just watching that with my dad and it was just like we were both it was like watching an actual race because that's all we had but we were both yeah. getting so excited about who was going to win. And when Leclerc got that time penalty, we were both like, oh no, that's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was so good, I think, for the industry as a whole to see this as the mainstream, if you like. I think it was great for the industry. Yeah. 
Yeah, and arguably that the racing's probably better than yeah, yeah. than in real life. Yeah, but true. I'm not going to sit here and say I'd rather watch that compared to a real life Grand Prix. I'm a bit of a traditionalist in the sense that I don't know what it is, but maybe it is just the fact it's in real life. I love watching a Grand Prix in real life. You know, watching an esports race is great. I don't think I'd replace it with that, and I don't think that's the goal with esports racing or to show races like that. I think it's to complement the the real world, have them both there. And there's an audience for both. I mean, you look at some of the audience numbers for Veloce Esports is not the Grand Prix. They, they were huge. They were absolutely massive. And I don't even think Veloce expected that. Um, the, the race as well. The race had their own events on R-Factor 2. They had uh, loads of real-world drivers competing against sim drivers. I competed in a couple of them. Um, and again, massive numbers watched it because, as you say, there was nothing else to do. Uh, they took uh, Sim racing took the opportunity and seized it. I just hope it doesn't fizzle out. I hope, you know, it, it kind of stays where it is with a little bit of growth over the next year or two. Yeah, it was interesting what you said about it's not there to replace uh, real life um, F1 because, I mean, I'm a massive F1 fan. I've been to loads of races and it's something that I love doing. But one thing esports can do, I think, and you're probably one of the first breeds to do it. I know it's been done before, but one of the first real breeds to do it and, and go to real life racing is you said it before about how you were carting and went into Formula 4 and it just got too expensive. Unless you're picked up by a major Formula 1 team or another racing category team, most people can't afford to do that whole journey of carting Formula 4, going to race every day and all that type of stuff. Whereas I think esports is it's something that's so accessible to people and people that haven't got as much money as some of the people out there doing carts and stuff. I think it'd be a great way to get young people involved in it. And cause I'm, I'm sure I'm, I dread to think how many people who are as talented as you are, who just can't afford to go kart in a Formula Ford and they're just walking around doing normal jobs now where they could yeah. have had a similar pattern to you. It just seems like a shame we're missing out because of, because of money. And I think esports might be a way in. In the future, I I think about that quite a lot sometimes. Um, and the yeah, the barrier to entry is so much lower in esports. The best get to the top, no doubt about it. And I think you say as talented as me. I think there's people more talented than me out there, as you say, working, you know, down the shop or whatever. You just don't know though, and they have no idea that they have that talent because they've not been able to go and compete in national karting or compete in Formula Ford or go even higher than that. Um, I'm not saying people at the top of motorsport now are frauds. Obviously not. They're, you know, <laughs> Formula One, IndyCar, uh, WEC, all those drivers at the top of that game are insane. Uh, they are absolutely insane. But there are certain championships in the real world where maybe some of the drivers aren't at the same level of that in esports. And I can say that with confidence because I'm competing in one right now. And as you say, it's because less people get that chance to go and do it. Um, in esports, whatever grid you look at, I'm going to take F1 esports again for, for an example because I've competed in it. I'd say that is the most competitive thing I've ever competed in by an absolute mile, um, real life or virtually. Um, and if I think if you had them that level of driver in the real world, it'd be pretty scary to see if the whole grid was that close, that good, yeah, and it's quite a controversial thing to say, and I'm trying to be very political the way I say it because it's very easy to start undermining the real-world drivers, and that's not not what I'm trying to do. But the fact that going into esports is so easy, you can just pick up a wheel you know, for a couple of hundred quid. Maybe you're looking at a grand tops for a setup. You can just – it doesn't matter how much 
you know, money you've got, really. If you've got the talent, you're going to make it. Yeah, and I think it would improve diversity as well. I mean, as we've seen over the past few months with Black Lives Matter and Lewis Hamilton kind of flying the flag uh, for that as well. I think people from like less privileged backgrounds would just have that chance that they're just not having at the moment with karting. And Lewis Hamilton was one of the lucky ones with in karting when he was sponsored by by McLaren and he was kind of given that chance. But it just I just think about all those drivers that have the talent but don't really have the means to do it. And it's great to see because I know you're a McLaren shadow driver as well um, for McLaren and Ferrari have got their own esports um thing going on as well i think yeah. it's great that these teams now are using that as more of a serious platform to to look at some of the drivers available because i think some of the teams must think this might be a real path for us to snatch some of the actual real best drivers that aren't in karting that are doing esports and um yeah you might be one of the first of the of the new breed of esports academy drivers that get their chance um in real life racing well i mean it's hard to say i mean <laughs> I think the primary reason F1 are doing esports is because it opens their audience up to a new market um, and the teams want to, you know, jump on that bandwagon, so to speak. Um, me being in McLaren Shadow has nothing to do with real life. Um, I know I'm driving a McLaren in the real world and the virtual world, but it's it's kind of a different thing. But you're right. I think it could happen. Uh, the skills are definitely transferable, as we've talked about quite a lot. But as I say, esports is its own thing. I don't think the net goal has to be going into a real car all the time. If you talk to half of the F1 esports grid, I'm sure of, I'm sure a lot of them would say they don't want to end up in the real world. It's not their interest. They want to stay competing in esports. And I can't, you know, blame them. To be fair, it's 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 a great thing to be involved in. Going off esports for a second, just looking at sim racing as a kind of personal hobby. I just wanted to kind of say one thing about it. In in the over the last few years, I've become a bit more serious about it, and I've got myself like a play seat challenge and a decent Logitech wheel and stuff. And um, I've got to say, when you when you turn the, all the assists off and when you make it as realistic as possible, you turn off antelope brakes, you turn off all the different gizmos that are available to you. And when you do that perfect lap or when you beat your best time on a time trial or when you, when you have that race where everything goes right for you, I don't think there's a better feeling within gaming than getting that perfect <laughs> lap because you're, you know you've, there's so many variables and you're in control of pretty much all of them, apart from the weather, really. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's a better feeling in gaming, personally, than getting a perfect lap with all the assists off, because it just feels like, I've done it. I've, I've actually done that myself. With, do you know what I mean? I don't think I there's, completely agree. Yeah. I don't think there's anything better than that feeling. It doesn't, whether it's FIFA, I mean, playing FIFA, it's, it's great, but you're not in control because you're there's so many different variables going on and you're not actually the one kicking the ball. But when it comes to sim racing, I think there's no better feeling than that. Yeah, it's you're right. One of the most satisfying feelings you'll get. And it's almost impossible to do. I mean, at the F1 eSports grid, it, the, the pole times will borderline be perfect laps. And it, it's just an insane level. I mean, mentally, the, that kind of task is massive and when you do do it, it you say as you say it's um it's a very very it gives you a lot of pleasure so yeah i agree and i, I will just have to say thank you to you as well because your youtube um like setup videos uh invaluable to me like not knowing because i've only <laughs> i'm at that level now where i'm starting to kind of tweak with setups and i'm watching videos on like what things do and like what toe does and stuff and 
Um, I'm not at that level yet, so I tend to just copy yours, to be honest, and it's, it, it goes pretty uh, no worries, pretty mate. Well. That's what they're there for. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for that. But for anyone who's, you know, interested in sim racing or, or whatever, or, you know, it's, it's just fun, isn't it? And it's just something that you can do. And, I mean, it's so expensive. For me to do that in a real-life capacity, to go to a track and, and hire a racing car, and, I mean, you're looking at thousands, aren't you, for a day to do that. So just having a wheel and having an Xbox and be able to do that is such a pleasure and that's something yeah. that it's it's yeah that's what game is all about jimmy broadbent's uh, slogan said it you know the, the the racing or the driving or the car's not real but the the racing is real type thing or yeah. I, I think yeah. something like that and it's, it sums it up perfectly you know sim yeah. racing it can be fun it can be serious it can be a job it can be a career path it can be a hobby it can be the most satisfying thing in the world it can also be the most frustrating thing in the world <laughs> yeah but it's only because you want to love it it can be whatever you want it to be really and that's kind of the beauty of it when he won that race, I can't remember what it was, and it was on an oval track. Was it? Was it like a, a NASCAR race or something, or an IndyCar race that he was involved yeah, in? Indy Five Hundred. And the it, thing is, yeah. I gave him his setup for that. Did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I saw, I, I literally clicked on at the end of the stream, and I saw him crying, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's either gone yeah. really badly or really well." And then I obviously <laughs> saw he won. So yeah, it was just such an emotional moment. We've all been there. I mean, when I, I'll be just looking at it from the other way. When I first turned assists off, um, I mean, for the Formula One games are my favourite games. When I first turned the assist off it was like i mean i just thought i cannot do this it's this crazy no i was the same yeah, yeah i was the same honestly like for the first hour i was like maybe i'm not cut out for this at all like <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of practice and i think that's what people don't appreciate is yeah. ahead of event one of f1 esports i had i think i looked on steam 202 hours of practice on the on the game that came out Jeez. in july but i saw some drivers with over 450 hours of practice so it's an insane amount of graft if you want to be at the top. Yeah, you don't just turn up, do you, and, and put in a perfect lap. You have to practice. You have to know exactly the breaking point of every corner. You need to know how how to do the early upshifts and when to do them and how much throttle to put on. And uh, There's just so many different things, which is why when you get it perfect, there's just no feeling like it. Um, yeah, and that's kind of the difference between, again, real life and um, top-level eSports and sim racing is the, the mental approach. So in the real world, you don't get to practice at all you know that's the the constraint uh and you have to go out there and find big chunks of time in short amounts of time uh learn stuff very quickly you're not going to get a perfect lap but you know you need to try and find a way to make it as perfect as possible given the amount of time you've been in the car in esports you do have to find that perfect lap and you have to memorize things that you would never think about doing in a real car. So, you know, when to downshift or, you know, how many gears to go down to a corner. It's like remembering a song almost, uh, whereas in real life, it's a lot more natural. You don't think about it as much. So I suppose when you know, you're doing that many hours, it, is, it does become about repetition, how well you can repeat what you know is perfection. I wanted to ask as well because I've been there so many times on time trial. You know when you, you know when you knew that you went over that white line on turn one. Did you like yeah. look up at your right in your top right of your windscreen and expect to see like a notification to say lap <laughs> invalidated? Uh, I went for the escape button on the keyboard to restart, <laughs> but you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to finish, because I know you've, I've taken up so much of your time down. I really appreciate you. you taking no, time right. to chat to me i just wanted to finish on for any kind of sim racers out there that do it as a hobby or for people that are out there and who think they've got that the talent to succeed and who want to be in real life racing but just haven't got the money and they're relying on sim racing to do that what advice would you give them uh, or what advice would you give you your younger self actually 
to be fair, I've been asked this a, a few times this year, and I, I say the same thing every time, really. And that's obviously get get the equipment, but if you, it depends what you want to do as well. Set the the bar out immediately of what you want to do it for. Is it fun? Is it immediately do you want to try and make it a career is it you know just something to give you your daily fix of of excitement whatever it is set that bar out straight away if you're going to make it a career you have to be prepared to do it sometimes when you're not enjoying it you know that's the level you have to go to that's the amount of hours you have to put in it's a lot of graft but the rewards can be equally as big you know the prize money for f1 esports this year was seven hundred seven hundred fifty thousand uh dollars prize pool so there's it's a big industry in terms of what you can win you can win a, a, a drive in real life if you're doing it for fun obviously it's a bit easier that you don't really have to approach it with any sort of mentality you just get on and do what you want um, but if you're going to make it a career path you have to be dedicated you have to put the graft in i suppose you have to have a degree of talent you know not everyone's going to get on and even with 400 and whatever hours on f1 is going to be at the same level of it's the, the same level of say yano what me or danny beresne not everyone's going to be that good but yeah i suppose just have an open mind as well have an open mind see what you got and let's finish with you then what's what's your ambition or are you just concentrating on what you're doing but or are you thinking about this is my ultimate ambition have you got that in your head uh i suppose one for example is is the dream i suppose maybe what in real life yeah yeah uh i don't <laughs> to be honest with you i mean i'm not pessimistic but i think that shit might have sailed i think you've got to be a bit younger and have a lot more money what i have involved with me at the moment to make it to f1 but i certainly want to be one of the best racing drivers in the world in reality but at the same time be one of the best drivers in esports um because i don't think anyone's done that you know jan marder for example is in the real world now but he's not really competing in esports i want to be competing in both at the same time with them both complementing each other you know there's still championships out there like you know indycar le mans WEC, uh dtm even british gt gt world challenge there's so many championships out there that are definitely achievable to reach and then when you're in them try and win them and obviously in esports i'm competing in probably the most competitive series there is at the moment which is f1 esports so yeah I, i'm i've got a few goals and uh over the next few years because i am only 23 so that's another thing as well how long can a gamer go on for i don't think anyone really knows so I want to try and find that out as well. We speak on previous podcasts like gay, the, like gaming seems to have like a pretty short span, just like real life sports. So it'd be interested in this new generation, how long it could go on for. How how old was Brendan Hartley when we when he um, entered Formula One? I'm sure he was late twenties. So there's still you've still got a few years, maybe. You never know. I mean, yeah. Igor Fraga is another one who you know the GT Sport World Champion. He's currently competing in FIA three, so he's actually on the F1 paddock in the, on the single seated journey. You know, he's possibly got a chance of, of making it. Maybe I do as well. Who knows? But I mean, Brendan Hartley had a, a big backing from Red Bull when he was a bit younger. So I, I, to be honest with you, Nathan, I'd love to say yes. It just seems pretty far away at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all the best of luck in your future career. And um, it's it's just great to see. I mean, it just seems like through through your whole career, it's just you've just kind of reached the top level doing everything you've done. And you've done it by genuinely loving it as well and just having fun at the same 
same time. Good to see you've been having fun along the way. And um, I'm sure you've had a few surprises as well on the, along the way. So it's just nice to see someone achieve success and, and have fun at the same time doing it. Thank you very much. I th- that fun element is key. I didn't say it when you said, what do you recommend to someone getting into it? I've met so many people online in sim racing that I still speak to today. I will speak to you for a very long time. I've met them in real life. They're good mates. So I think that's a big element of it. Because if you're not having fun, you can drive yourself into the ground very easily. Yeah, just turn the Xbox off or the PC or the PS4 and just have a bit of a break. And James, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been a pleasure and I wish you all the best of luck in, in your future career. And I'll definitely be keeping an eye on you and uh, making sure you, I congratulate you along the way. No worries. Thank you very much, Thanks, Nathan. James. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Level Up podcast and esports and gaming show. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and follow us on social media at Level Up Pod. We'll be back for another episode very soon.